Mac Power Users, episode 339, The New iPhones and Feedback. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie? I'm good, David. How are you? Excellent. We are recording this fresh off of the Apple keynote event that just happened today on September 7th, 2016. And this is going to be one of our very rare news shows. You know, usually we try to stay away from current events. But since Apple has announced a ton of new hardware, devices, software, etc., we thought, why not make that the focus of this month's live show? So we're going to spend some time on that. We've got some listener feedback we're going to hopefully get to, but not make any promises depending on how much time we take about talking about all the events. Um, but we are going to make a quick turnaround this and hopefully get this out very shortly after the Apple event so all our listeners can learn all about the new Apple hardware and software. So that's kind of exciting, right? It's very exciting. This is like one of the most, this is kind of like next to Christmas, one of my most exciting days of the year. Yeah, it's always fun to see what they're up to. They don't give many presentations. They usually do the Worldwide Developer Conference around June, where they talk about what the new features are going to be to the updated iOS and the Mac OS. But it's the September event where we get to see all the goodies that they want to have under the Christmas tree. And um, it's really fun to see that. Over the years, it's been increasingly hard for Apple to keep a lot of this stuff secret because they're making hundreds of millions of these phones. So you know, the supply chain is going to leak some parts and, and pictures. But they always do have a couple surprises up their sleeve. And today they didn't disappoint, did they? All right. I was, I was going to ask you, initial impressions. We were we were kind of gearing up for this to be a little bit of a lackluster event, an event where we kind of knew what was coming out. There were some rumors that were poo-pooing the, the iPhone 7 as being not that revolutionary. You know, it was going to be the same form factor. It was going to keep uh, get rid of the headphone port. A lot of people were upset about that. And so I admit I was kind of going into this Apple event expecting to be a little disappointed what were your reactions? Were you disappointed? Were you excited? Are you spending a ton of money after the end of this? Um, I always go into these things with an open mind. I, I do believe that a lot of the um, the leaks concerning like what the new hardware is going to be are usually pretty accurate at this point. I mean, I remember a time when they were actually able to keep secret a new design to the iPhone. But like I said, I mean, they're shipping these things worldwide and literally hundreds of millions of them are being manufactured right now. Um, there's just no way they can keep it secret. So I go into it knowing that probably the leaked images we've seen over the last month or two are probably the new iPhone. Uh, but I'm always interested in a couple pieces. One is the software element. I mean, Apple um, can keep a secret on what they're doing with software because that's only happening in Cupertino and, you know, it's not going through a factory. So uh, that's always interesting to see what they do. And I also really like the way they tell the story. I mean, we knew that there was going to be no headphone jack, uh, but I was really curious to see how they sold it. <laughs> and um, just kind of as an outsider in a lot of ways, how does this this company that has such this prowess for marketing deal with removing a feature that we know a lot of people are going to be disappointed in? So uh, I always enjoy going into them. And of course, they always come up with some surprises. And this year they didn't fail. I mean, they came up with some some interesting things that, like, for instance, I never thought they were going to talk about iWork today. Right. <laughs> and I tweeted you. Uh, no, we're not. Don't even suggest it. Trying to collaborate again on iWork. Well, let's save that. We're going to get to that later because I, I have uh, I want to make my case. <laughs> but 
Uh, why, don't, why don't we start out? Before we get started, we've got a couple little administrative notes uh, we should probably share. Yes. Okay. Always the administrative stuff. Uh, we both are going to be speaking at some conferences uh, later this year. Uh, coming up uh, in October, October 6th through 8th, down at Disney World at the Disney Yacht and Beach Club. I, again, am going to be at formerly known as Milo Fest, now known as Mac Track Legal. Uh, this is the conference for Mac-loving attorneys. And if you're interested, you can join me. I know, David, you came down for that last year. I don't believe you're going to be able to make it this year, correct? No, I, I can't this year. I'm doing another conference and I, I've got to make a living too. So I'm not <laughs> making that one this year. But it's great. If you're a Mac lawyer, you should definitely attract, uh, attend Mac Track Legal. Yeah, there are a number of great sessions um, about how to use your Mac and your iOS devices. Uh, I believe that I am presenting on PDFs and I believe that I'm also presenting on gear. And uh, I, I think I think I hope that's it, because that's kind of all I'm prepping for. Well, that's good to know, right? <laughs> I'm I'm speaking as well. Oh, wait, I, I do have one more thing about Mac Track Legal. I'm sorry. This is very, very important. Um, if you're interested in going and you haven't signed up yet, um, you do want to get that done because the, the time is ticking away. Uh, but Victor Medina, who runs the conference, has been very generous because I host Mac Power Users. If you're interested in going and you haven't signed up yet, you have lost out on the early bird pricing. Um, but he is willing to basically give Mac Power Users listeners a $100 discount when you use the coupon code MPU, uh, which should get you back uh, to some of that early early pricing. Uh, so you may want to take a look at that. So uh, thank you, Victor, for extending that discount to our audience. But back to you. You, you are speaking at a conference as well. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, towards the East Coast. I'm going to be in Indianapolis, Indiana, um, September 27th through 29th at an uh, excellent conference I've been hearing about. I've never been able to attend it. It's called Release Notes. And you may be familiar with the Release Notes podcast. It's really geared towards app developers and, you know, independent kind of this independent movement. Uh, I'm going to be speaking there largely about legal issues that app developers face um, and talking about contracts and exciting things like that. But if you're a developer, I really recommend attending this conference. It's I know there's still some space available. Um, the the friends of mine that have been there before and talking to some of the other speakers, it's just a great place to network and connect with other independent developers and get some real you know chops to do some of the other things you need to do to succeed other than just programming in Xcode. So uh, check out release notes. We'll go ahead and put a link in the show notes. And that is at the end of this month. So I have to get cracking. Yeah. Hope you've, hope you've got a good start on your presentation. Yeah, it, it's a, uh, you know, like me, like usual, it's a mind note outline at this point, and it's got a bunch of little bubbles. And now I'm going to start reducing it to a keynote presentation here in the next week or so. All right. So can we uh, can we get back talking about the event? I'm very excited yes, about it. Yes, we, we can. We can. And let's just kind of take it in chronological order. Okay. Well, first, Tim Cook got in a car with a late night TV show host, and there was some ridiculousness that happened on screen that I, I, I don't even understand. Are you not familiar with carpool karaoke? I admit that I am not. That's great. It's great. It's so funny. James Corden does it. My favorite was when he did Michelle Obama and they just, because she's, you know, the first lady, they couldn't just be driving around DC. So they drove around the loop of the white house and they sang in the car. It was great. Uh, but so Tim Cook got involved. There's, there's a business angle to this. Apple has recently purchased the rights to carpool karaoke and, it's not clear, but I think they're going to be using a different host than James Corden, and they're going to be putting it in iTunes. So it's going to become kind of like a 
a thing that they do, or maybe it's through Apple Music, I guess. Uh, but, you know, everybody in the business these days wants to come up with their own independent content, you know, just like HBO, Netflix, all these other companies are coming up with their own thing because the reason you want to subscribe to stuff is the independent content, not the stuff that can get pulled out from you at any point. Apple's starting to dip its toe in that and Carpool Karaoke is one of the first big investments they've done on that. So it was interesting to me that they said, well, let's just go ahead and use it in the intro. Um, one of the things I liked about it is I thought Tim Cook was totally relaxed and in there and he was singing along, um, uh, with James and I don't know, it just, I, I just like Tim Cook. What can I say? I really didn't feel like he gave it his all during Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, that, I think he could have sold that one a little better, <laughs> but, uh, and, and the sunglasses just look goofy on him, you yeah. know, you know, <laughs> but, but they would look even worse on me. So I guess I can't really say anything. So, um, up first in terms of announcements, cause we do have other things if we have time to get to in the show besides that, uh, was the Apple watch. And this was expected. And a lot of the big announcements. Wait, 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 wait. How could you skip Mario? Okay. Mario. Mario's awesome. You you go ahead and talk about it. I don't. Katie, have you ever played video games? I feel like you haven't. Not really. We got a we we got a Nintendo for Christmas one year when I was a kid. And it was kind of my brother's thing. It just was not my thing. Oh, yeah. Mario. Mario's great. I my girls and I played it. You know, we had the little platformer games we played as they grew up and uh, they, we still talk about it and we still occasionally like dust off the game and play a game of Mario Kart. And it's interesting. Again, Nintendo has always been a company that focused on saying we're going to make our own hardware and we're going to have our beloved, you know, games and characters on our hardware only, which is which makes sense because you make the money on the hardware, not the software. Um and they've had trouble and, you know, I'm, there, there's probably, I know there's podcasts on the Relay Network about gaming that would give you a lot more information than I can give you. But but the, the interesting news point of this is that now Nintendo has said, okay, we're going to put Mario on another platform and that platform is going to be iOS. And the big deal about this is that iOS is the first other platform besides Nintendo that has gotten the Mario brand experience legacy platform thing i don't even know what you call mario is this nintendo surrendering and saying we're getting out of the hardware business i, I don't think it is i think it's just a a testing to see what it, what happens i mean they've got there's one billion iphones sold as as tim stated in the keynote um that this the purchase this is not going to be an in-app purchase based game like so many of the games are it's going to be you know the old timey game where you give them money and then you download the game and that's the end of it um, I really like that, that they're doing that. I wish that more games did it because as a dad, I can see where these kids get these games that are, you download them for almost nothing or nothing, but then in order to succeed in them, you have to keep feeding the kitty. You know, you got to keep buying extra coins or whatever the currency of the game is, and it gets quite expensive. So I'm glad that they're doing it that way. Um, it's not full on Mario platformer, like the old days where you can go forward and backward. It feels like more, you know, the idea is you can play it one handed and, you know, they made the point that you could, you know, play it while eating an apple or sitting on the subway because you just tap it to make him jump. Um, There's a lot of these endless running games on iOS and they're very popular. So now Mario has his own. I hope Nintendo brings a little bit more to it, but I'm really looking forward to trying it. And um, I think that we're going to get Katie to download this game. I'm going to gift it to you because there's a battle mode. 
So you and I can have battles against each other in Mario. So I think one of the things that kept me from playing a lot of video games, and, and we had all the consoles. My brother was a big, big into video games. We had Nintendo, and then I guess we had Super Nintendo. Was that, then we had Sega Genesis, and then we all, all kinds of – I kept tra- stopped losing track after a while. I had very, very early onset, like, you know, early high school, even maybe some in middle school, Carpal Tunnel. And one of the things that made it worse was any any of those types of, of gaming things, as you can imagine. Um, and so I, I just found gaming uncomfortable. Well, this one, you just you just tap the screen with your thumb. You don't have to do a bunch of manipulation. I'm going to get you into gaming, Katie. That's that's going to be the story. I don't think that's going to happen. But OK, so so Mario, the, the new law practice suddenly starts suffering because she's got a record high score in Mario. I don't think that's going to happen. I'd feel bad. They're also going to have stickers. Uh, stickers, get ready for that theme, gang. Everybody's going to have stickers. <laughs> We've got an iOS 10 show in the works right now, and we'll talk about that more then, but but stickers is, is going to become a big deal. The other thing they talked about in terms of updates was um, some updates to Apple Music to make it a little more user-friendly. Uh, I've been running the beta where they have the For You tab. Now they have a thing that's a daily um, set of songs that the that, that the that um, that Apple Music thinks you'll like and is a good kind of entry point. Uh, the early tests I'm using with it aren't very good. You know, it's still giving me tons of music my kids would be interested in, but they are throwing the occasional Miles Davis, Maynard Ferguson or something in there that I might like. So it's closer. Um, just as a complete aside, if you're using Apple Music, check out those A-lists where they have a curated list in every genre of music. I am finding so much great music that way. Um, and they talked a little bit about the app store. They didn't go into great detail, but the app store is going to be undergoing a lot of changes, which we'll cover in the iOS 10 show as well. And then the final piece of news before we get, actually, there's two more. Uh, they also talked about education and Apple is doing these grant programs where they're giving away. I think the number they used was 50,000 iPads to students. And they're really trying to get those iPads out there, you know, combined with things like like Swift Playgrounds and other educational uses for the iPad to see what happens if you had a full school of kids using iPads. And I think this is an interesting play for Apple because if you're at all connected to elementary education, there's this massive influx of Chromebooks. Um, you know, everybody, you know, with all the kids in my life, they're all using Chromebooks at school because you can get into them for a couple hundred dollars and they're almost disposable computers. An iPad costs more, but it's a different learning experience. Um, Fraser Spears has been on our show a couple of times and talked about, you know, the difference between training a CEO versus a secretary. And he thinks the iPad is the right answer. Um, Apple is putting a little bit of wood behind the bat on this now because they're they're putting them out there and they're going to be able to see how it plays out. And I'm glad they're doing it. I don't know what it really means for the long term. I don't know if public schools are ever going to be able to afford to get a you know one for one iPad program, but uh, they're certainly experimenting, which I think is good. Okay, now can we talk about the Apple Watch? Nope. Oh, is the last thing they said in the introduction, and it was a strange thing to play, put in a place is iWork. I mean, who thought they'd talk about iWork today, right? Big change here is that iWork has gained some collaborative features. You can now, um, simultaneously, they've always had the, recently at least, they've had the iWork in the cloud features uh, where you can access it on iWork.com and be able to work on your files. But now they're going to try again at collaboration. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a demo before in iWork. It was Eddie Q and Phil Schiller 
making a presentation together on screen and it worked really well. And then it shipped and it was dreadful. And um, now they're they're doing it again. The demo wasn't as good this time. They're calling it real-time collaboration, which is what we want. Um, and the demo wasn't really that clear. I actually watched that part twice just to kind of get an idea for it. Uh, what I really want to see is a pages document open with two people typing it at the same time, just like you can do with Google Docs. Um, I don't think this is impossible for Apple to pull off. I'll just say that because I think that these technologies have got a lot more accessible for people and synchronization has gotten a lot easier. Um, Apple has done a lot of work on the back end for iCloud Sync. Uh, all that being said, they didn't give me a demo today that really sold me on the feature, but I'm. they have now said we have real-time collaboration. It's much better now. I'm definitely going to give it a try and push it and see what happens. Um, that's where, I, where, Katie, you gave me that really sweet tweet on Twitter. And nobody else picked up on that. So somebody said, like, I think your your um, your tweet was no, not a chance. I think it's something. And, and don't ask. <laughs> don't ask. Well, we're going to try it out because that's what we do here in a Mac Power user. And we'll report back. But I, I would be happy to break free of the yoke of Google Docs. I mean, if it really worked, it would be fine. I mean, we our outlines don't require massive numbers of people in collaboration. Usually it's two. Sometimes it's up to three. Um, and we'll just see how it works. If it doesn't work, we're not going to do it, but I'm definitely going to give it a shot. I don't think you remember how bad it was last time. I think you're making it worse than it was. The other data point though, I would add is that I've been using the iOS 10 beta and testing because they have a collaboration feature in Apple notes. And I've been testing that with a few friends and I'm not impressed. So, um, you know, if all the data points remain true, this isn't going to be good enough, but you know, like I said, they've raised the issue. I think they're capable of doing this right. Um, it's a little harder because, you know, everything in Google Docs is essentially web-based. And I think collaboration with everything beyond the web is a lot easier than doing it in third-party apps. And that's what Apple's trying to do with this. And uh, that may be the stumbling block, but we're going to try it and see how it goes. And it, it's just interesting to me that on a day when they're you know, introducing new hardware like an Apple Watch and an iPhone, that they took time out of the keynote to say, hey, we've built this thing. We want you to try it out. So they must believe in it to some extent, or they wouldn't have given it that screen time. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Gazelle, the online marketplace for buying and selling used gadgets. Shop from a variety of certified pre-owned electronics or trade one in for cash. Give new life to used devices and visit gazelle.com today. It's that time of the year again, and Apple is bringing a bunch of new goodies out for us to buy. And if you're like me, you're probably going to pick up one or two of them. And if that's the case, you're going to have some old ones that you don't know what to do with. Don't just throw them in a drawer. Sell them to Gazelle and get some cash back. Gazelle is the trusted online marketplace for buying and selling used electronics. You can trade in your old devices for cash or buy a certified pre-owned one or do both. For trade-ins, simply visit gazelle.com and find your device and then get an instant quote. Shipping is free and payment is fast. It's so much more convenient to sell to Gazelle than going through some shady dealer or getting on Craigslist and wondering who you're going to actually meet behind the grocery store. All online offers are free. Just simply find your gadget, answer a few easy questions, and get your instant price quote. Payments are fast, and you can get a check in the mail, an Amazon gift card in your inbox, 
or direct deposit into your PayPal account. If you're looking to buy a pre-owned device, Gazelle has a variety of iPhones, iPads, and Samsung Galaxy phones to choose from. I did this a couple of years ago when my daughter broke her phone and it was out of warranty and just frankly beyond repair. Rather than start with a new contract, I bought her a used iPhone on Gazelle and that phone is still in service. Each device is fully inspected, backed by a 30-day return policy, and sold without a carrier contract. All Gazelle-sold devices are in good and excellent conditions. Good condition shows a little gentle sign of wear and tear, but offers consumers great prices on still great devices. When I bought my daughter her iPhone from Gazelle, we got it in good condition, and it looked just great. All Gazelle devices are put through a 30-point inspection process, ensuring that they are in perfect working order. So whether you've got a drawer full of old devices that you'd like to turn into cash, or you're looking to buy something that's certified pre-owned, head over to gazelle.com today. As you're going through the checkout process, make sure to let them know you heard about it on the Mac Power Users. That makes us look like rock stars, and we like looking like rock stars. Thank you so much, Gazelle, for supporting the Mac Power Users. Katie, now you can talk about the Apple Watch. Thank goodness. All right. So it's Apple Watch <laughs> time. Uh, so the Apple Watch uh, got a couple of big upgrades. One of the software upgrades we, we knew about, those were expected because they had been announced at WWDC. And David, you've been running watchOS 3 on your watch since WWDC. You were like the ultimate early adopter. I went crazy. I while I was in San Francisco, I went ahead and updated my phone, the phone that I make my living with. I went ahead and put the beta on it. And, uh, and the reason was because of Apple Watch. It was it was kind of like I just got talk, done talking about real time collaboration, how I can I'll believe it when I see it. I had the same impression with the watch OS three when I saw it in San Francisco and I saw them running it. I felt like there must be something going on here, some some shell game that they've got some super powerful hardware that they're using on stage. And this will not work on my Apple watch that, that good. And I just wanted to find out. So I went ahead and took the risk through the dice and installed the beta and believe it or not, they delivered. I mean, watch OS three makes the series one Apple watch that first watch everybody's bought feel like a new watch. It's so much faster, more efficient. I mean, they, you can tell that they've paid attention to how people have been using the watch in the 18 months it's been out. And they use that to inform this new watch OS. In fact, it's so it's so good that I think, you know, if you're thinking about buying a new one and you have the old one, I would tell you to wait. Uh, I mean, first install watch OS three and use it for a week or two, because you may find that the improvements that you get just from the operating system upgrade are good enough that you don't feel compelled to buy the new watch. I think there's a couple of interesting things that are happening with Apple Watch Series 2. Oh, by the way, uh, can I just say that I, I really like the name? I think that was a great way to deal with it. Yeah. So the Series 2, the big distinction between Series 2 and Series 1 is that Series 2 has added some waterproofing. Now, the Apple Watch has always been fairly, shall we say, water resistant, although not necessarily advertised as such. I think as far as Apple came to saying anything official about its waterproofing uh, is that Tim Cook mentioned that he showered with it. But, you know, we all know people in in the Apple community who say that they swim regularly with it and, and have not had any problems. But Apple has never officially gone that far to say those things that you can do with the with the current Apple Watch. Have you ever washed your Apple Watch? Uh, I mean, I've I've gone so far as to like dunk it in water when I'm 
doing the dishes or something like that, but I've, I've not gotten in the shower with it or swam with it or anything like that. I I once had an unfortunate incident with some barbecue sauce and the, um, uh, the dial stopped. It was like sticky and gross, you know? (laughs) And so I just put hot water in the sink and rinsed it in there and then ran the tap under. It felt really weird doing that to an electronics device, but it, it, it's fine. I mean, it works fine. So it's always been somewhat water resistant, but you're right. In fact, when they show you the video for the Apple Watch Series 2, the first thing they show you is a guy diving into the pool, swimming with it on. And then they've got the surfer. You know, they got all the the popular water sports covered. Right. So the Series 2 watch, uh, they're now officially going th- and say that it's um, water resistant up to 50 meters. So you can swim with it. And they say you can swim every day with it if you, if you want to do that. Um, they are, though revamping what they're calling the series one watch. And although it is not getting waterproofing, it is getting some upgrades to the processor. Both the new series two watch and the series one watch are getting a new processor that they say is going to be up to 50% faster. Yeah. So that's, they call it the S two and the watch is interesting because there's so little room in there. Um, They, they've always had this idea of combining functions into more limited chips that allows them to save power and save space as they're dealing with these mobile devices. But the watch is the first time they put the whole system. I mean, it's all in there. I mean, the graphics, the the microprocessor, it's all there and it did get a little faster. And interestingly, if you buy the series one watch, which is going, which is basically the current version, it's getting that upgrade as well. So it's going to be faster no matter what, but getting back to what I said earlier, you may be just fine with the existing watch. This is may I think is more of a, a play to get people to get into the watch than to get existing watch users to upgrade. The um, I, I guess one of the things that concerns me about this a little bit though is if Watch OS three is so revolutionary in terms of making your existing watch feel faster, and and David, you say that it is. Why is it necessary to put this new processor? into the original Apple watch. I think it's there for future proofing. I mean, the, the, the watch OS is only going to get more powerful as we go into the future. And a watch that you have with the S one chip is eventually not going to be able to keep up. You're fine this year, but I think this is more about next year and the year after that. If you buy a watch now with the S two chip, I think you're going to have more longevity. It's just like if you buy a Mac with a newer processor, you're going to get more years out of it if that's what you want to do. Well, maybe the watch after you make this initial jump is not something that you you upgrade every year. Maybe it is. I'll, I'll be curious to see how many people upgrade. But I think your advice is good advice to maybe wait and see how your watch responds on iOS or watch OS 3 um, and, and if you're happy with it. And I think you also need to look at how important is the new waterproofing features to you. You know, the for a couple of things haven't changed with the new watch. Um, it's It's still just as thick. It is, it is still has the same advertised battery life. So you're not, it's not like something you're going to be able to wear all day and all night. Um, So I did not find a hugely compelling reason personally to upgrade to the new Apple watch. I I guess I'm going to take a wait and see approach and and see what happens with watch OS three. I'm, I'm not a big swimmer. I don't plan on swimming with my, with my Apple watch at all. So I, I don't know that necessarily a 50% speed increase, especially if watch OS three is going to bring me a speed increase necessarily does that much for me, but, but we'll see. Um, what about you, David, or is there a new Apple watch in your future? 
Um, well, yeah, well, there's a, before I answer that question, there's a couple features we haven't covered. Uh, GPS is now built in with the Series 2 watch, which is a big deal if you're a runner or a hiker. And uh, I think that is, is quite useful. And it allows you to use the watch without the phone and still log your, your hike or your run. And that's going to be a nice feature. I really think that after seeing it out there for a year and a half, they realize that fitness is a, is a large part of the Apple Watch. I know that for me, the Apple Watch stuck, and part of it's because of things like notifications and you know just seeing where my next appointment is. But it really has changed my fitness life as well. I mean, I, I walk at least two miles at least five times a week. I do hikes in the local mountains. I'm surfing. I'm doing all these things now. And part of it is to fill my rings. So, Well, if you're surfing, you definitely need the new series too. Well, I mean, it's... um. I always, when I go to the pool or I go to the ocean, I always take my watch off, obviously. <laughs> and, and to be honest, I'm not sure I would wear my watch while I surf, because if you saw me surfing, you'd realize that I spend a lot of time. Um, I think that the term is ass over tea kettle, you know, in the water. So you're getting a lot of dirt and grime. And <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. always, I'm always getting thrown. The ocean uh, likes to play with me more than I play with it. And uh, so I'm not sure I could see myself losing my fancy Apple watch in the ocean, but like I go to the pool and swim laps too. So I, I would definitely use it for that part. But the, um, uh, so that, you know, there's more fitness stuff in there. And the other thing that I was impressed with is that they found a way to dramatically increase the brightness of the display with the series two watch. And the Apple Watch is the only Apple device that I really use in direct sunlight. I know that, you know, a lot of people like prefer the Kindle because it's better in direct sunlight, but I've, I rarely find myself using an iPad in direct sunlight, but the watch all the time because it's always with me and on, on my wrist. So, um, so there are some additional features other than just the, that it's more water safe now. To answer your question, yeah, I'm going to get one. I mean, why not? When I bought the first one, I intentionally bought the low-end aluminum. And I'll probably do the same thing again um, because I, I like to have the new thing. And um, and my daughter has already, in fact, when I bought the watch originally, she says, so when the new one comes out, I get that one, right? She's laid claim. Yeah. And I got a text today. You know, I mean, they're at school, but of course, they're more connected than we were. And she's like, so so you get so you're getting a new watch, right, Dad? I mean, you really deserve one. She's, <laughs> she's just checking in on you. Yeah, exactly. Checking in on her investment. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll get a new one of the Series 2s and, and I'll report back on the show with it. But I, I do honestly think I will like it because I do a lot of hiking and walking and running and, and I go in the water a lot. So I'll, I'll put it through its paces. Um, one of the interesting things about the watch that I thought was they are no longer making the gold watch. Um, they have the Hermes, they've, they've switched it out a little bit. Um, they've, they've kind of put the, I think it's Hermes. Is that the correct pronunciation? Hermes. Yeah. I don't okay. Know. Uh, that's kind of their new high end line. Um, and it's, it's not nearly as expensive as the special edition line was, but it's still a good step up, um, from the Apple watch. And, I think you'll see a lot more people step into that if they truly want to wear the Apple Watch as a fashion accessory, um, but yet don't want to spend $25,000 on an Apple Watch edition. Um, however, there is still an Apple Watch edition. Um, there's the ceramic version, which is now available and is now a good bit more expensive, but again, not uh, not Apple Watch edition expensive. Um, just viewing the pricing on on Apple's website that ceramic edition starts at about uh, twelve or thirteen hundred dollars. It's twelve forty nine for the thirty eight millimeter, um, and and uh, thirteen hundred dollars for the forty two millimeter case. 
So you're getting it at a much lower price point um, for that ceramic edition than you are, you know, with with some of like the gold and the other ones. The gold, you know, the the very expensive, you know, for, was an 18 karat gold Apple Watch. It never really made sense with me as an Apple product. I mean, I always liked the fact that the iPhone I had was the greatest phone on the planet and that whether I was a super billionaire or whether I was just Max Barkey, I could still have the greatest phone that money could buy. And when they added the gold, it just didn't feel very Apple to me. Uh, I, I Someday somebody that used to work at Apple is going to write a book and tell the story of that gold watch. And I'm, I'm fascinated to hear it because I think that that was a very controversial decision inside Apple. And, you know, they, they don't really say much about it now. They didn't even acknowledge that it's no longer being sold. They just said, oh, yeah, the edition one now is now a ceramic, which is, I believe, four times more, you know, strong and scratch resistant than stainless steel and blah, blah, blah. So they, they've got a story they'll tell around that ceramic one. But it doesn't hold much interest to me. I, I really like, I feel like I made the right decision with the aluminum watch to begin with. I like the lightness of it. Um, I like, I know it's still expensive. I mean, I'm going to spend $360, I think, to replace this, but it's not like super expensive. Like, like if I had bought the stainless steel, I think it would be harder to replace it now because, you know, that's not, I think you're in a neighborhood of about $700 to get a stainless steel watch at the 42 millimeter size. And, um, and I also feel like the Taptic works better with aluminum. A friend of mine has the stainless steel I wore it for a while, and I, I felt like the Taptic was, because stainless is just a little more dense, the Taptic didn't feel as good to me. I I have the stainless steel, and I tell you, I really like the stainless steel. I feel it's a little dressier. I would definitely buy the stainless steel again if I were buying another Apple Watch. Like I said a few minutes ago, I'm probably going to skip this edition Apple Watch. And, you know, you're right. It it would have been easier not to skip if I was only paying, you know, $250, $300 as opposed to it's going to be about $550 to get back into the stainless steel uh, version of the Apple Watch. But I, I don't really know that I needed this upgrade anyway. Uh, I just I like the fact that I think the stainless steel looks a little more classic. I wear it with the Melanese loop. I feel like I can wear it to court. I feel like I can dress it up a little bit. Uh, I personally just felt that the aluminum for me was a little too dressed down for, you know, professional wear. I, I, I totally see that. And honestly, if you've got, I, I really don't think this new watch is about getting people to upgrade. I think it's about getting new people on board. Yeah. I admit that I do kind of like some of the watches in the Hermes line, but I'm just not going to spend that on a watch. The other thing that was interesting about this was this partnership with Nike. I don't know if you recall about six months ago, Nike had this product called the Fuel Band that they just stopped selling and they laid off all their, you know, their app developers for the fuel band. And everybody's like, well, what are they going to do? They don't have a wrist device anymore. And now the answer, you know, the other penny drops, they've got a, a Nike branded Apple watch with a kind of a cool band and um, some different faces. So, you know, this, this partnership on the Apple watch, I think is, is expanding. I mean, they had Hermes last year. Now they've got Hermes and Nike, who knows where they're going to go next, but it seems like a good opportunity for them to kind of make it more of a fashion device by, by combining with some of these people. Yeah. That being said, I don't like the the look of the Nike watch. I mean, they, they all have a neon green shade to them at some point. I, I wouldn't be interested in that. 
Isn't Tim Cook on the board of Nike? He was at one point. Yeah, he was. I don't know if he still is. I was thinking the same thing while he was talking. I, I don't know if he still is or not, but, you know, and honestly, you know, I think the Apple Watch is far superior than the fuel band anyway, so they probably made the right move, but it's a good device and uh, it got some nice uh, improved hardware. I'm sure they're going to sell more of them. It's never going to be. And one of the problems with the Apple Watch is everybody compares it to the iPhone sales. They're like, well, they sold a lot more iPhones. Well, of course, because everybody needs a phone and not everybody needs a geeky watch. So I, I just don't see that as really, well, it is apples and oranges. It's just completely different sales but you know they're continuing to improve the line and uh and and i think the fitness improvements are going to be well received so i want to take a moment to tell you about our next sponsor for this episode and that is our good friends over at sanebox now if you have not tried sanebox yet you need to because the folks at sanebox have told us that more than 66 percent of mac power user listeners who have ended up trying sanebox have ended up subscribing to it so there's a pretty good chance that you'll love it too so here's what sanebox does it automatically filters your email for you so you don't have to fuss with all of the unimportant stuff sanebox learns what email is important to you and filters out what isn't saving you hours it works with all kinds of email programs and services you're not going to have to change a thing about your existing workflow. It's just going to add in and work. SaneBox has great email filtering. So the first thing they do is that they give you the Sane Later folder. So the first time you sign up, it will go in, it will analyze your inbox. You don't have to sit there and watch. And it's going to look at what's important to you based on your email behavior. It's going to keep only those most important emails in your inbox. And then everything else is going to go into the Sane Later folder. Now, SaneBox is fully trainable. And the more you use it, the more it will learn. So if there is an important in email in that Sane Later folder, just pull it back out into the inbox and SaneBox will learn and vice versa something in the inbox that you don't think is that important, put it in Sane later and SaneBox will learn from that too. And once you get the hang of that, you can start expanding in SaneBox's services. For example, they've got a black hole folder, so you can unsubscribe from emails with just one click. My favorite thing is the snooze folders. That means you can defer emails until they're more appropriate to handle. So it's great for deferring emails until like the next business day or emails that you get over the weekend. You can defer them until Monday. And those are emails that they don't disappear. They just leave your inbox and then they pop back when you tell them you want them to. So you don't have to worry about them and you don't have to have them at the top of your mind. There's also a great feature called Sane Reminders. So if you send someone an email, but you want to make sure that they get back to you, you can BCC like one week at SaneBox.com. And if your receiver doesn't reply, you'll get an email in one week to follow up. And you can even add more custom filtering email boxes. Like we've got one for the feedback email box for the show. Uh, so there's all kinds of things that SaneBox can do. There are various pricing plans. They start as low as $4 a month and they've got a 14 day free trial. This is really something that you have to see to believe. I signed up for the SaneBox 14 day free trial when they first came on as a sponsor to the show. It took me all of two days to realize that this was indispensable to my workflow. So go check them out over at SaneBox.com slash MPU to save on your first plan and thanks to Sanebox for their support of the show. So the big event of this um, event is the iPhone. And that was what we were all waiting for. That's what Apple traditionally releases at these events. And there were some lots of questions surrounding the iPhone. We, we now know the answer, but we do have the iPhone 7 and the iPhone 7 Plus that was announced at this event. Uh, I am ready for an upgrade. I've been on a two-year cycle. I've, I always upgrade on the the uh, regular numbers, not the S lines. So um, my iPhone 6 is sitting here and it's getting ready to be off contract. And 
eight days. I just I just checked my uh, my availability to to purchase a new phone, but I admit I am still sitting here thinking about it. Really, really. Is that because of the rumors of next year? Honestly, yes. Oh, it's there. There are two. We'll talk in a minute about the the features and the everything. There there are two things right now that that have me second guessing to my my rationale for upgrading. Um, one is for months we have heard nothing but rumors and negativity about this new iPhone, and and I admit begrudgingly that I have been um, influenced by those that. This was not going to be that great of an upgrade, that it was going to have the same basic form factor as the 6 and the 6S, that it was going to lose the headphone jack, um, and and that it you know was just basically going to be a relatively minor upgrade for the phone. Now, we'll talk in a minute about whether that was actually true or not. And so I've been been thinking for the last couple of weeks about, well, I could I could hold on to the 6 for, for one more year. It's in pretty good shape. Or I've been thinking, well, maybe I could sell the 6 and... Successes are going to come down in price. Maybe I'll just buy a success off contract and hang on to that. So I've been thinking about lots of options for that. All right. Well, let's get to that at the end of the discussion of the iPhone. But the, what they, they covered with the iPhone, they first did a, a brief overview of iOS 10. And we have got a show we're preparing that's going to release right after iOS 10 comes out. iOS 10 is released, I believe, the 15th of the month. Um, the weekend, the Sunday following that, we will drop our iOS 10 show. Uh, I've been using it in beta, as Katie mentioned, since since it was a baby beta, frankly. And I've got a lot of thoughts on it. There's some good stuff to talk about. And Mac Power users are going to like a lot of the new features. So we're going to explain how to use them and, and what's good and bad. And Katie, you've been using the beta as well now. I have, yes. And uh, so we'll, I'm going to save that for, for that show. Uh, but let's just talk about what have they done with the phone itself. And... Uh, they had their 10 points. Not all of them I thought were worthy of a separate point. Uh, but let's just kind of break it down. Um, starting with the design of the phone itself. The um, the design is always a big deal. I, you know, we were talking, I was talking to my, you know, Ben Thompson, who's been on our show. Really w- clever and smart guy. He lives in Taipei. And he was talking about how in Asia, you know, it's a big deal to have the latest and greatest and you want to show that off to your friends and the 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 problem apple faced this year is the design isn't changing as katie was just mentioning now i'm not totally sold that that's like a deal killer when they don't change the external case um i know that there's a lot of people who don't like the current design they call it a bar of soap you know because it's slippery and it's got these rounded edges but to me it's the the one that calls back to the original iphone the most and i always thought that was a really nice design too so I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad design, but how do you sell these things when people do want to have bragging rights about the latest and greatest? So the first thing they covered was that problem. And the way they're doing it is with some, you know, some different colors. There was a... There's p- black. Yeah. Regular black, just black. Yeah. Uh, and then there's fancy black. Yeah. Or they call it jet black. It's it's kind of Darth Vader-y color. Yeah, I kind of like that. Um, if, if you recall, the iPhone 5, I believe, was one that had a black anodized surface, but it had that chamfer edge and it would chip away a little bit. Uh, and black is one of the harder colors to anodize. So they really you know kind of struggled with that a little bit and it showed wear more. I kind of liked it because it, it reminded me like if I was on the Millennium Falcon that it would show a little wear. So I was okay with mine at the time. But, you know, obviously they don't want that to happen again. So they've gone back to the drawing board and they've got the 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 plain black anodization process. So the black one is much blacker. Space gray is no longer in the lexicon. Now it is actually called black. So 
if you want the, you know, the dull black color, uh, they've got that now, which they didn't before and grays out. But what they really were pushing was this new one that's they call jet black. And it is a um, it's a high gloss black anodization. And they spent a bunch of time showing you fancy machines and even using words like rotational 3D polishing and, you know, to get this polished black look. It looks impressive, but I can't help but think well, part of me wants it just because I guess because it's new and different. But part of me also thinks, man, this thing is going to show fingerprints so badly. And and uh, I believe that you're going to get like micro scratches on it, just like the old stainless steel and some of the other stuff. When it's that shiny, if there's any scratch, you're going to see it. And I mean, I don't know. I'm I mean, we're recording this pretty quickly after the the keynote ends, but I'm anxious to hear from people that get hands on with them. And I want to learn more about it before I decide if I get a new one. I'm holding back my spoilers here, Katie, but uh, which color I would get, but I would probably get the, the the flat black or the jet black. I think they're cool looking. What do you think about the colors? I am always, I've always gotten the white faced iPhones. I've always gotten, well, not always, but the last several years I've gotten the white face iPhones. I've gotten the gray iPhone. And I was thinking as they were showing the jet black this year, hmm, I might have to get that. Um, I do want to note that they, they mentioned this kind of as a footnote, but the jet black is only available in the 128 and the 256 size. So if you were looking at getting a um, just the 32 gigabyte jet black, that is not an option. Did you did you notice the part where Phil Schiller punked us? Yes, I did, because I, I yelled at the TV for a moment and I said, oh, OK, I was like I was like that guy watching a sports game. And at some point they put the, the phones up and they had the memory configuration 16. Um, 64, 128, and I just about blew a gasket. I'm like, they cannot be doing this again. <laughs> you know, and For years, we've been complaining on the show that the low-end iPhone does not have enough memory. At 16 gigabytes, uh, when you add, you know, the operating system overhead, it's just not going to work. I mean, it's really difficult. And I, I almost feel like it's been really irresponsible for them to sell it that low for a couple of years now because it's a bad experience for their customers. So this year they finally raised it to 32, but at first they displayed it as 16, I think, just to mess with nerds like me and Katie. Uh, so now it's 32, 128, 256. Um, I think 32 is okay. Um, so long as you're not going to put a bunch of movies on your phone, I mean, that is an acceptable amount of memory. It's not great, but it's, it's, it's doable. So I'm glad that they fixed that. Well, I think the big factors to look at is how much music do you have and do you are you the kind of person who likes to use your phone as an iPod? Do you want to carry all of your music at any given time on your phone? Um, and then how many photos are you going to take? Because keep in mind, these iPhones all have improved cameras now. So even if you're not syncing your photo library to the phone, you're just you know syncing the photos that you have on there at any given time that you're taking on the phone. That can take up a lot of memory as well. Oh, we should also mention that as the um, iPhone 6S has moved down the line, they also got rid of the 16 gigabyte model of that as well, which I thought was a nice touch. I mean, it shouldn't have existed to begin with. That's what right. I feel. It's like just last year, my one of my sisters bought a new phone, and I know she's not a big power user of this stuff, but she wanted a new phone with the new camera. And I told her, you got to spend the extra $100 because 16 is just not enough. If it had been 32, I would have told her she would have been fine with 32. but. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that, that they, that, that, that long struggle is over <laughs> and they raised the, the amount of memory. Uh, the, the, one of the first features they talked about with the new phone 
is the home button redesign. And, you know, the home button is now not a physical button, but instead it's a, a taptic feedback. I don't know if they said it directly, but it seems like they, they certainly said there's taptic feedback on it now. And my understanding is that it's fixed. And, and this goes in with, um, with water resistance. And, and also I, I've been told, and we've heard from geniuses that listen to the show that one of the most frequent points of failure on the phone is the button. You know, it's the physical thing that can break and people have trouble with that button. So I think they finally decided we're going to just turn it into a taptic feedback. And if you look at what they've done with the trackpad and with the Apple watch, Apple clearly has a lot of expertise in this now. I'm totally comfortable with them switching it to taptic. Um, uh, Katie, what's your feeling on taptic? Are you like, have you used one of the MacBooks with a taptic trackpad? Or I mean, are you, are you for it or against it? I liked it. And now granted, I've only used it in demo purposes and someone let me borrow one of theirs for a little while to, to play with it. I actually picked it up and looked at it to make sure that I wasn't dreaming or it wasn't an illusion because initially when I was using one of the MacBooks uh, with the taptic feedback, I, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell that it wasn't a real trackpad. And I, I don't know that the iPhone is going to be that good that it can mimic a button press. Um, but I tell you, the taptic feedback in the MacBook was really good. And I know some people love it and some people hate it. Uh, I think the any way that you can simplify these devices is better. I personally have not had an issue with the home button on a phone, uh, but I have had a family member who has had a problem where they're, and that was the failure was that their home button had failed. And it was on a phone that was was several years old, um, but that home button finally wore out and, and failed and it was out of warranty. So we just ended up uh, replacing the phone. But I, I have heard that those are, are some of the most commonly um, uh, complained about issues when people come in and bring their phones to the Genius Bar. And if that home button's not working, there's not much you can do with it. Yeah. And, and it's something that, assuming they execute properly, can hopefully add life to the phone. I mean, the, if that's the primary point of failure, when you've got a phone that's two or three years old, a lot of times it is the failed button that's going to be the death knell for that phone. And with this new system, I would hope that that doesn't happen as often. Um, they're also adding some some user functionality to this this thing. They've got what they call taptic feedback on it. So uh, they made a reference to it in the keynote. They didn't give any demo. And I don't know how deep this goes, but it sounds like even app developers can address that button and you can get custom like vibrations or feedback from it. Uh, based on apps or feedback from the phone. So it can be another way to communicate to you. Uh, I really like that idea. I don't know how it all plays out. And I'm super curious to see if it's if it's just a, you know, fly by night thing or if it's something that you want to use every day. But uh, the thought that they say, if we're going to say we're going to have an addressable, addressable taptic feedback button, why don't we give developers the ability to do something like maybe um, it gives like an SOS vibration or something to give you a warning. Um, I think that would be cool. So I'm curious to see how that all plays out. I don't think it's like a huge feature to the phone, but I think it's a necessary next step. And it happened with the iPhone 7. So that's good. Uh, the other feature, uh, and I'm not sure if I'm going in the order that they announced them, uh, but splash and water resistance. Now, this is something that people have said anecdotally about the iPhone 6S is that it was much better about water resistance, but Apple never mentioned this publicly. And now they're publicly laying down and saying, no, the iPhone, the iPhone 7 is splash and water resistance. They never really said how far. I mean, they definitely said it was splash resistant, 
But, uh, you know, if I if it sits in the bottom of the pool for a while or if I drop it in the lake and don't pull it out for 20 minutes, is it going to be OK? Yeah, I had a client once that was dealing with um, disclosures of water resistance for their product. And it's a really murky area. I like how I did that. I do. Yes. Yeah. It, I mean, it's really up to the manufacturer to define and it's not clear. Um, uh, the impression I got from the, the, the talk today, and I, I'm sure there's going to be a ton of information on this in the Internet in the next few days, is that it's certainly not water. You know, it's not going to go to 50 meters like the watch. It's not made to do that. Um, you know, the problem with water is the deeper you go, the more pressure you put on those seals, uh, the more likely things are to fail. I mean, 50 meters is actually quite deep for the watch. Um, but the, the phone, if you fall in the pool, you're probably going to be OK if you. You know, if you're out in a rainstorm, you're going to be okay. If you go on Splash Mountain, that's my wife's big feedback. She's like, well, will it survive Splash Mountain? You know, because currently uh, the Sparks family has a, a set of little Ziploc bags we keep in our day bag when we go to Disneyland for that purpose. <laughs> you know, we get on a, a wet ride, we're going to put the phone in a baggie. So it sounds like we don't need to do that anymore. So that's cool. But it, it's not the same type of, um, you're not going to be able to go swimming with it and go surfing with your phone. Yeah, according to Apple's tech specs page, it is rated as IP67 standard under the IEC standard 60529. Oh, okay. I know exactly what that means. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I'm glad that they're um I'm glad that they're moving along that track. And I, I thought they were going to use this as their big excuse for for removing the headphone jack. They really didn't rely on that too much, but but they did uh, they did put a slide up that showed the phone with a guy falling in the pool. So I would hope that means that when you have a little accident like that, it doesn't cost you six hundred dollars in the future. OK, okay. Wikipedia to the rescue. So it says the first number um, talks about uh, solid particle protection. So if it's the, the, the six, seven is dust. So that says that this is dust tight, that no ingress of dust um and it's based on a test of up to eight hours of airflow. So the second digit is liquid ingress protection. And so Apple's is a six, seven. It looks like the scale goes all the way up to nine and, and higher. So a six is a powerful water jet. So a water propelled powerful jet using a 12.5 millimeter nozzle against the enclosure from any direction shall have no harmful effects for a test duration of one minute per square meter for at least three minutes with a water volume of a hundred liters per minute at a pressure of a hundred kilopascals at a distance of three meters. So I don't know what the pressure translates to in terms of depth of water, because my thought would be it gets wet, you know, in your pocket on a ride at Disneyland or it gets wet in the rain is one thing. Once you submerse it and you start submitting it to the pressure, you know, water pressure as you go deeper, seems to me that's where the point of failure becomes. Have they stated? I don't think they're even going to state that because they don't want it to go deep in water. It's just like the commercials. I know Samsung is doing this now, some of the other you know, competitors where they pour water on the phone in the ad. And that's not going to be a problem. I don't think that'll be a problem for the phone either. The The real question is once you, you put it underwater and sub, submit it to pressure. And I know there's somebody listening to the show now that knows way more than me on this. You know, let us know with a, a note or a... Send us an audio comment. There you go. But uh, it's going to be more water resistant. I guess that's that's the way to put it. I think if you fall in the pool, you know, you're not going to lose your phone. If you drop it down, you know, to the bottom of a 20 foot pool, I bet my guess is you're going to lose your phone. You know, I have uh, I'm going to knock on wood here. 
I have never lost an iPhone to accident, not to drops, not to spills, not to anything like that. Um, but my dad is particularly accident prone with his with his mobile phones. He has run over a phone with his car. He has. Um, I don't, you, do you have like those? Probably not because we're here in the South. But you know, like those big old Southern, um, you know, like Sunnies. Do you have Sunnies? I have no idea what a Sunny is. <laughs> Okay. Sonny's is like a, a barbecue restaurant. I don't think it's particularly good barbecue. I thought it was some type of weather anomaly, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> no, but they, they give you like these huge, big old glasses of, of iced tea with like this big mouth cup. Yeah. Dropped an iPhone in a glass of Sonny's iced tea. That that did not bode well for the phone. How, how do you drop a phone in a glass of iced tea? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think the new one would survive that. Uh, or, or you know what else? I mean, the, the typical, you put it in your breast pocket and it falls in a toilet. I think that is a very common fail. I think this would survive that. I, I think in a different universe, I would fit in really well in the South. I just, I think I would. I, I think I'd fit even better in New Orleans. I think I that I'm somehow in a different universe. I'm very happy in New Orleans. We, I did get him one of these uh, iPhone uh, water-resistant cases, and if I can find it, I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, many, many iPhones, because he fishes, have been been lost to the lake. Yeah. And he found out that if he can't fish the iPhone out, then they won't replace it. Yeah, that usually is important. The warranty only works if you have the phone. Um, so he's had to fish them out before. But he, he lost one that kind of fell out of his hand, bounced off the dock and into the lake, and he was able to find it. Uh, and it was still working. It was in this water resistant case, thankfully. So we've we've decided that he definitely needs the industry protection case and uh, water resistance. You should probably get him one of those like I know they make them for some cameras where it's like a it's a high visibility, like a bright orange neon orange floaty kind of thing. You put it in that well would probably help. Then it won't sink. And then you're probably just fine. It's the pressure, right? This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Casper, because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Go to casper.com slash MPU and get $50 off with the code MPU. I'm sure I'm not alone in being one of those guys that just used whatever mattress fell into my life for many years. To be honest, I was intimidated by buying a new mattress. I know they're super expensive, and the idea of laying down in a public showroom on a mattress and making a decision about something that's going to cost me maybe thousands of dollars, it just scared me away. If that's you, you're going to love Casper. Casper is a company focused on sleep. They've created one perfect mattress, and they sell it directly to consumers, eliminating the commission-driven inflated prices you get with middlemen. Casper has revolutionized the mattress industry by cutting the costs of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing those savings directly to you, the consumer. It's an award-winning mattress, and it was developed in-house. It has a sleek design and is delivered in an impossibly small box. In addition to the mattress, Casper now offers adaptive pillows and soft, breathable sheets. Now, I'm not just blowing smoke for you here. I sleep on a Casper mattress, and it's fantastic. It was made by an in-house team of engineers that spent thousands of hours developing the Casper mattress. It's an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. The Casper mattress combines springy latex and supportive memory foam to create a mattress that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, its breathable design allows you to regulate your temperature throughout the night. Prices start at $600 for a twin and go up to $950 for a king. They're remarkably affordable for their quality, and they're all made right here in America. 
I also love the convenience of buying a Casper mattress. No longer do I have to go into the showroom and lay on a bed for five minutes. Instead, you buy it and they send it to your house. It comes in a box. You take it into the room. You want to use it. You open the box and a mattress pops out. It's kind of amazing, really. But you get a 100-night free home trial. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering that you're going to spend a third of your life on it. I've heard from several listeners that bought their Casper mattresses after hearing about it here on the Mac Power Users. Why don't you join the club? You can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com MPU and using MPU offer code. Thank you so much to Casper for your support of this show. I can't wait to take a look at this new camera. How often do you use your iPhone camera as your only camera? I know you've got that fancy Doxo, but... DxO, yeah. Yeah, just for taking iPhone camera pictures. Every day. I, I take pictures all the time. And, and like I said on the show we did recently with Jeff, I, I don't have a fancy big boy camera anymore. I just do it with the with the phone. The iPhone is my only camera. I don't own another camera. Well, I guess the iPad technically is a camera on it. But besides the iPhone and the iP- iPad, I don't own another camera. Now, I'm at a little different point in my life. I don't have kids in a family. So I, I don't take near the volume of, of pictures that you, you do. But when I'm at a family event or any picture that I'm taking right now is taken on the iPhone. Um, now I don't know that the camera matters as much to me as it does to a lot of people. I mean, I, I want a certain degree of of um, of camera. Uh, certainly any time that the um, the indoor quality of photos can be better. That's always a huge plus for me. Um, one of the things that that I'm excited about with this camera is the portrait mode, but it looks like that's only coming on the, on the plus camera. Yeah. I think it involves the dual lens system, but, but let's just back up a little bit. So, so the, every year the iPhone gets a better camera. It's like, you know, every year we get a new iPhone and every year the battery life usually gets a little better. You know, there's certain things that always get a little better. And I think that it's just a given that the camera is going to get better. They know that one of the main reasons people like their iPhones is because they use it to take pictures and it's a huge selling point. And I think when Phil Schiller says, you know, he loves cameras, I don't think he's, he's making that up. I think there's a lot of people at Apple that are really into taking great pictures. Um, depending on who you believe, um, it sounds like there's literally hundreds of people at, at Apple who are assigned to do nothing but make a better camera for the iPhone between hardware and software. So it's a huge deal, and every year they want to come out with the latest and greatest. So what did they do this year? Uh, the lens is a f1.8, which is a fairly open lens, and you're going to get a, some degree of bokeh with that. But the important thing for a camera lens, and once again, every time I talk about this stuff, I feel like I'm 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 showing off more than I'm I'm worthy of, you know, because <laughs> we have really good photographers that listen to the show. But as you get that f-stop down, for the people who don't know, it allows the lens to capture more light faster. And that allows you to get a faster shutter speed um, to get the same picture. If you have the f-stop higher, let's say it's at, I think they they were originally in the twos or the threes. It was, I think it started like 3.5, but you get it down to 1.8. Suddenly you can capture a lot more light with, with a lot less time. So that means that the, the low light pictures are better. So you can have a faster shutter speed and you can get a better picture. So that's a really great improvement. Um, one thing they talked about a lot today, well, I guess I should just stop there. I mean, does that make sense to you? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Then the next thing they they went into was the the ig- image signal processing, and I've I've always felt like that is the iPhone's secret weapon when you compare it to other uh, camera phones. I mean, a lot of times you'll hear of one that has a better piece of glass in it, or you know, some of these manufacturers that have a bigger sensor, or they do, you know, they want to com- compare with the iPhone. And they spend a bunch of money and they put something in it to try and make it better than the iPhone camera. But then when you look at the pictures side by side, they just don't look as good. And I've always felt like that is because of the software element of it. And Apple has silicon dedicated inside the iPhone, which is this image signal processor. It's like a computer chip that's got no other purpose but to make your pictures look better. And we've always heard, you know, lip service towards the ISP, but Apple's never really explained it well. And maybe because this year they had more time or whatever, there's a slide in there that they go through and they show uh, with the starting of a picture. And then they have, they cascade through different ISP effects that take place to the picture. You know, they have a layer that goes through to try and, you know, focus on the people in the picture. It finds the human body parts. They've got a layer that goes through and tries to get the white balance right and a a layer that tries to get the focus right and then a layer that tries to remove the noise. And it it goes through. I don't know if you remember that slide, Katie, where they went kind of through each slide, each effect. I thought that was a really nice bit of showmanship for a keynote because it really got the point across that the phone is doing a whole bunch of stuff. And I think the number they used was like 25 milliseconds that it runs through this and does all this work for you. Um. That is a big deal, and it seems like it got better this year. So that's great, right? I, I would recommend watching that section of the keynote, by the way. If, you're, if you don't watch, want to watch the whole thing, but you're interested in cameras, just find that section of the keynote. It's about, I think it's about two-thirds of the way through the entire keynote, and watch that. It's pretty cool. Uh, additional features, you want me to continue just rattling them off? Uh, the the seven-megapixel um uh, lens for the for the FaceTime camera. So it used to be five. Now it's seven. So that's better. Better selfies. Yeah. The um the it's still twelve megapixels for the um for the back facing camera, but they got I believe a better sensor on it and that new lens system. So and before we get to the seven plus, so just in the basic iPhone seven, uh, they've made several improvements to the camera, both on the hardware, silicon, and physical lens part and that's going to get you better pictures so that's if that's if, if you use your phone a lot for pictures that's probably the biggest draw to get a new phone is you want to take better pictures i mean you're only going to get to see that image you're taking once and the better camera you have the better off you are it's it's interesting the way that they've done this with the dual camera system and it was a, an interesting compromise because they they can't make a zoom lens in the space that they have for an iPhone. The tech there's just physically no space to zoom. Um, so what they've done is they've taken one camera on the plus and devoted it to a wide angle lens. One camera devoted it to a telephoto lens, and then you can kind of pick and choose through software what to use when. I I wonder if we'll get to a point where the technology will shrink down and they'll be able to do that. In, in hardware with a single lens um, or whether they'll be able to physically shrink the size of the lens down small enough that they'll be able to do something like this in the in the smaller size. It feels to me like the laws of physics almost prevent it because you need space in order to make the zoom happen. That's why the zoom lenses always look like these big shotguns on the end of your camera body. 
Um, so I don't know that they ever can really do it. Um, so their compromise was we're going to put in a lens, a fixed focal length lens. And I think really the zoom is like 50 millimeter. It's not it's not like, a you know, one of these things you see at the football game. No. And they are offering in software some digital. Well, they've always offered digital zoom, but they're now really promoting the digital zoom. And I think they feel like one of the reasons they can do that now is because they've got some they've got the pixels to do it. See, this is the part I'm a little confused about. Um, they have two lenses in there, and I always understood, you know, this has been rumored now for some time, that Apple is going to use those two lenses to make better pictures. I mean, my big, my biggest gripe with these camera phones, any, and the iPhone included, is they take great pictures outdoors. But if you've got like a birthday party or you're indoors and you're taking a picture, the pictures are, aren't always that great. And the reason is because they're they're out of focus. You know, they can't get enough light in there. And I think that F 1.8 will help that. I mean, we're just going to get get one of these and try it out and see. But uh, I was really hoping that somehow there'd be some magic, you know, incantation that the fact that you have two lenses in the in the camera would allow it to become dramatically better at indoor photography. And I was hoping that would be the message today. But the message wasn't really that the message was. We've got a built-in zoom now that doesn't require digital zoom, so your pictures won't look like complete garbage if you want to zoom. And that's cool. Um, but to me, the indoor photography, the, the low-light stuff is the biggest problem. Now, they didn't really brag about that, though. So I don't know. I, we're just going to wait and see. I mean, but, but I don't think there's many times where both lenses are working in conjunction with each other. And, uh, and we'll, you know, I, I just, there's not enough information available right now to see that, but maybe low light does improve as well with these dual end systems, but they certainly didn't focus on that in the keynote. They did, however, get into this idea of bokeh and, you know, the, um, what they call portrait mode. You want to talk about that? Yeah, this is, this is something that I'm excited about, but since I'm not upgrading to the plus, probably is not going to be an option, but if you've done some portrait photography or if you've seen really nice portrait photography taken, it has this depth of field to it where the subject is typically in focus, but the background has this nice blur to it. And um, they are able to mimic that. Now, it's not going to come out initially with the launch of the iPhone, but they said it would be available to iPhone 7 Plus owners coming soon with a software update. Now, what does that mean? Maybe in the spring, maybe later in the year? I, I, I don't know. Um, but it's going to be a feature where they're going to be able to use the technology between both lenses, both the near field and the far field, to focus in on the subject and give the background a nice blur. Yeah, it's a. Um, I used to have when I had a Canon, I had a, a lens I called my Nifty Fifty. I think it was f one point four. And if you really want to go crazy, I think Canon has one down down to one point two, and you can like focus on some the point of someone's nose. And like the back of their head is out of focus. It's just, you know, it can go really crazy, but they take beautiful pictures. And for a lot of my family, I was always the one that everybody thought I was like the greatest photographer on the planet in my family. Cause you know, none of us are like super photographers, but they'd say, well, we need a, a picture of our children or whatever. Will you come over and do it? And all I would do is put the nifty 50 on and crank the one, the F stop down as far as it would go and get them in a room with some light, you know, across their face. And all of a sudden I had this beautiful picture because the background was blurry. So Apple is now doing that in software and with a combination of two lenses. And the pictures they showed looked pretty good. Um, they looked a little strange to me. If you look at the, uh, if you go to the website and you look at the images, you know, it's doing some sort of detection to figure out, 
you know, where is the, the edge of the person versus the background? I mean, that's where it all has to happen. You know, it's easy to blur the whole thing. It's easy to put the person in focus, but how do you combine them and have that transition from the edge of their hair to the, you know, the flowers in the background go from immediately tack sharp to really blurry, which is what you get if you do it with a proper lens that, you know, is going to cost you hundreds or thousands of dollars. Um, now that it's all in software, it's that edge that I think is really important. So if you're looking at pictures of this, take a good look at the edges around them and and see if it's acceptable to you. It looked okay to me on the images. I'd be happy to use it. Um, but once again, the proof is going to be in a pudding on this. I, I thought that, that that statement that he just threw off, he says, well, this will be a free update later this year. I wrote down, quote, later this year. And I got thinking, man, whatever team was responsible for that and missed the ship date, they've got to be hating life right now because I'm sure they want, they wanted very badly for this to be, you know, in the new phone. When you took your phone home, you could immediately see these great portraits. So, but you're not totally sold on the camera. That's not, that's not good enough for you. The camera is good, but the camera has never been the major selling feature of the iPhone for me. It's always been a great. It has a new camera. The next big point they raised was display. And, and again, this is another great feature of the iPhone, but I don't look at the iPhone and just say, hmm, okay, well, I could really use a better display, but uh, it's basically, it's going to be a brighter display. They call it the Retina HD display. Uh, and it's going to have, the smaller one's going to have like a 1334 by 750 pixel resolution and uh, at uh, 326 pixels per inch. Uh, and the other one is going to be like 400 pixels per inch. So it's it's a little bit sharper, a little bit brighter. You know what I was waiting to hear them say about the display is that it would um, have the um, the auto adjusting um, brightness that the iPad Pro 9.7 inch has, and I never heard them say that. No, they did not. I forget what they call that technology, but it's really nice. I was I just thought it would be for sure in the new phone. So that that was one surprise for me. And I'm with you. I don't think, that, you know, the display is a good enough reason to upgrade, but I'm glad that they're continuing to move the ball forward. Audio is another thing that they made some changes on. The big one being we're missing a, a headphone jack. Yeah. Yeah. No no <laughs> surprise there, though. Apple Apple was very careful to leak this um, uh, carefully throughout the course of the year. Do you think they leaked it? I, I don't really know. I know. I've heard people say that, you know, that this was like an ingenious way to soften so it didn't shock everyone. I, I mean, the, the images of the phones have been leaking for months, and I don't think they had any control over it. So maybe they knew that was going to happen, and that gave everybody time to kind of adjust to the idea that they'd be pulling the headphone jack out. Um, but let's just talk about that um, for a little bit. The first thing is, the way they sold it is they said, oh, we have these new great ear pods. And guess what? They plug into your lightning port. And that's way better because it's digital. They didn't say we took the headphone jack out. <laughs> they said, we've got this great new feature, which, you know, I, I was really kind of as an observer interested to see how they how they sold this. Right. This is just better. Yeah. And then then they did address head on the issue that the the that the headphone jack has been pulled out. And they said, well, you know, the reason is. Because we have courage. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. What did you, What did you think about? I, I didn't. I did not like that. <laughs> no, I just kind of thought it was a okay. What What does that mean? I don't know. I felt like like you know the 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 example a lot of people talk about is when the iMac came out and Apple pulled out the disk drive, and everybody went crazy. 
right? I mean, why would you, why would you take the floppy out? And they saw where the puck was headed. You know, their feeling was floppy drives are no longer the best way to do this. USB sticks, you know, there's all these different reasons they had. And I think they were generally right. And before long, nobody was shipping computers with floppy drives in them. Oh, you, you're right. I mean, three, three to four years from now, nobody will have headphone jacks on their phone. I'm not sure you're right about that. I think it, it may be here a lot longer than you think. But but at the time that they pulled the floppy out, they did not feel compelled to say we're doing this because we have courage. They did it because they had a simple story to tell. Floppies, last year's technology, there's new things that are better. We're pulling it out. You know, um, they didn't really have, you know, to use their own words against them. They didn't really have the courage to say to say that today. Instead, they had to kind of give it this weird justification. So I wrote down, I kept track of the points. They said that digital is better, you know, that you get through the through the digital, um, you know, to, through the uh, lightning port, you're going to have digital audio. And they even said, you know, you can have more control, you can have noise canceling. There's things you can do that you could not do through an analog port. Um, but we've always had that ability. That's not really a good enough reason to take away the headphone jack. Um in my opinion, because you you could still do that. You could still plug headphones into the lightning port, but you could still have just the old headphone jack for people who want it. Um, the next thing they said is space is at a premium and they didn't go to it in great detail, but I think there's some merit to that. I think there's probably more merit to this point next year, but um, uh, it, it's not just a little hole in the end of the phone. It's the housing for that jack all the way that goes deep into the phone. And if you look, that's right where the new haptic engine is. It's right above the, the home button. It's funny because I thought the exact same thing. They, when they showed the haptic engine, it's right where the, the jack was before. So it allowed them, I, I'm sure that played a role in them getting rid of the physical button for the home button. And then they, they went into a discussion about wireless. And I'd like to save that because there's a, a couple of audio points I want to come to. Um, if I was grading them, I think overall they did a fine job of saying, okay, we don't have it anymore. The, the, the best thing they did by far, by far, in my opinion, about this whole problem is they said, okay, um, we're giving you a, set, a new set of ear, ear pods that plug into the lightning port, which is great, but we're also in the box giving you an adapter. And I honestly didn't know if they were going to do it or not, but I felt like putting it in the adapter, the, the adapter in the box was super important because it really silences a lot of the, the problems that people have with this. It's like, okay, you can still use your old headphones. It's fine. There's an adapter in the box. You plug it in, you're good to go. I was thinking about my wife's car. We've got this old Toyota, you know, the stereo and it's not great, but it's got an auxiliary port and the ability to plug her phone into her speakers in her car is something she uses every day. If, if this new phone didn't allow her to do that, it, it would have been crazy making. And I know that I'm going to have to buy two or three of these adapters. We'll just keep one in her car, frankly. You just keep it plugged in. Exactly. But but the um, but then my kids have the older phone, so it's going to get lost. I know. But either way, the, the fact is the, that they're putting the adapter in the box makes it a lot easier for people to say, ah, oh, this is terrible. I can't use my old headphones. No, no, we gave you an adapter. It's in the box. I think it just it really turns down the drama on this decision. Well, and the adapter is pretty reasonably priced. It's one is it's in the box, which a lot of people were concerned it wouldn't be because what kind of message is that sending? But I, I think it's right for Apple to put it in the box. It's nine dollars if you want to buy another one. And the lightning ear pods are twenty nine dollars, which I believe is the same price point Apple was selling their ear pods at before. Yeah. And I also think that third party vendors, I mean, this adapter lightning to audio to a headphone jack is a simple adapter. My guess is you're going to be able to buy like six of them for $10 on, on, you know, on Amazon within a couple months. Now, um, what do you think about the AirPods? 
Um, before we do that, I want to talk about the speakers in the phone itself. Okay. Because I did not see this coming, um, but I don't, I know about you. I, I listen to the speakers on my phone quite often. Um, you know, like if I'm sitting here working, sometimes I've got a podcast on, I'll just play it through the speakers on the phone. And it's funny when you pick the phone up, if you pick it up wrong and your finger just covers the little speaker hole. Have you ever experienced that where suddenly the audio just goes away? Right. And you're like, what just happened? Yeah, exactly. Speakers are on both sides now. It's, it's true stereo. So that's that's cool. I'm glad they did that. Um, so the audio got an improvement in general. Um, uh, so let's get to the AirPods, though. Um, so Apple has come up with their own headphones you know they I, I i'm not sure that these are bluetooth i guess they are bluetooth they must be um but it, they're very strange design i i thought that too when i when i saw them they they really they just look like a pair of airpods with the cord cut off of them yeah and and i thought if you if you're johnny ive and you could design wireless ear earbuds to go in your ear would you did you just take a pair of scissors and snip the cable off of your ear pods and say, here we go. I'm done. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, when you think about what they, they put in there, I mean, you got to have a battery, you got to have an antenna. There's got to be a microphone because it should work with Siri and you should be able to use it when you're on the phone. Um, I, maybe this was, I, I'm sure that, that this wasn't the first design they tried, but it is remarkably similar to a set of ear pods with the cords cut off. And, um, and it, you know, just the whole thing is interesting. I mean, most Bluetooth headphones, I have a pair of Jaybird X2s that I've had for a couple of years. I, I really like them and they're great. I use them every day, um, but they have a cord that stretches around the back of my neck and it's got a little dongly thing on it that I can click on to make phone calls and they do the job. This is a different design where there's no cord attaching them and they're just sitting independently in your ears. And that kind of scares me when you look at them. I mean, if they if you're a person who has ear ear pods that fall out of your ears on a routine basis. This is not the device for you because I don't know if you're like bicycling or whatever. One of the things falls out. You're never going to find it again. I guess the the, the, the the upshot is they're white. So you've got a better chance finding them. Uh, I recently bought a pair of um, the Jaybird Bluetooth headphones. They were like Amazon's deal of the day a couple of couple of weeks ago. Yeah. How do you like them? I like them. I've, I've been using them at the gym and I, I really like the fact I've never had Bluetooth head. Well, I've, I've never had these type of Bluetooth headphones before. I've had some inexpensive Bluetooth headphones, but, you know, true workout Bluetooth headphones. And I really enjoyed not being tethered to the phone. It just makes a world of difference being able to move around and those types of things. And, and I, I like them. I like them quite a bit. But um, they do have that cord that attaches back behind your head, you know, the, the right earphone to the to the left earphone. And that doesn't that doesn't bother me at all. And in some respects, it's kind of comforting to to know that it's there. Uh, I, I see what you're saying. I am. Cons- I, I think in addition to that little stick from the ear pod sticking out and in, in looking weird. Um, yeah, I, I can see these easily being being lost. And when, when you lose them, you're done. But I, I do like the fact that they're so small. I, I can especially I what I see myself using this more for than than at the gym. I, I'd almost kind of like to buy just one. If I could buy one for half the price, I'd probably buy one more than two because I can see myself using them more um, for hands free, uh, for dictation, for Siri, for um, talking on the phones in hands free mode. Uh, and, and you don't need two for that. Yeah. Well, I've got, if we get to picks, I've got something to talk to you about that may be interesting for that problem. 
But but the design is, like I said, it's very minimal. Of course, it's Apple. It comes with a case. I believe they said that you get five hours on them. Uh, but the case that you can put them in has a battery in it so they can recharge in the case. So you, you plug the case into a lightning port. There's a battery in the case. There's a battery in the ear pods or the AirPods. I'm sorry. So if you get on an airplane and you start running low, you just take them out and you stick them in the case for, I guess, some amount of time and you pull them out and they're recharged. I think the design in general is pretty good. Uh, they're expensive. I think it was $160 that they're going to cost. Right. $159. And everybody went crazy on Twitter when this came out. But I, when I bought those Jaybirds, they were about that. I think they were about $150 when I bought them. Uh, so that's not completely out of the ordinary, but the thing with the Jaybirds is like when I pull them in my ear, I just leave them hanging around my neck. You know, when I'm walking around, I use them in the garden all the time. And I, I feel very confident I would never lose them because they, they're connected with this long cord. And you know, I just think I'd be fine. Whereas with these, I don't know what, so you, like when you don't want to use them, you take them out of ears and you put them in your pocket. I, I just feel like there's an easy way to lose these things. And there's only five hours of continuous playback. Now, that's that's a lot, but you are going to have to be recharging them pretty quickly, and it's probably not going to last you a transcontinental flight. But that's the point of the having the battery in the case, right? So you're going to have to you right. You, so you when you're not using them, when you take a break, you put them in the case, and you. Um, I it, I think 15 minutes in the in the case gives you another three hours of use, so that's not too bad. Yeah, that's not bad. I, I think that's fine. But I I'm really curious about them. I'll tell you, I'm I'm going to get a pair. When they come out and I'm going to be very conscious of the two week return period you know? yeah. and I'll be walking around for for a week with my hands over my ears because I'll be deathly afraid I'm going to lose them. If you lose one, they're not going to give you half your money back. <laughs> yeah. So but I'm curious to see what they do. I mean, like a lot of the other the little details they got with it, like if you tap on them, they um they they um it's just like hitting the button on the remote. You can just tap it. It's got like its own taptic sensor inside. It's got a sensor in it that when you pull it out of your ear, it knows it's no longer in your ear. So it stops playing music through them. I mean, th there's a lot of little touches and the pairing process looked to me like just ridiculously easy. So we'll see. I mean, I don't know. But the uh, but I mean, they had to have something like this when they're going to have a phone that has no headphone jack in it. So it was time for them to get serious about Bluetooth. This episode of Mac Power Users is also brought to you by Automatic. So chances are your car hasn't really kept up with technology and it's hard to do because every year a different model's coming out, it has new features, and we don't typically upgrade our cars like we do our iOS devices. Well, that's where Automatic comes in. It's a small adapter that turns any car into a connected car. You just plug Automatic into the same port that your mechanic uses to diagnose engine problems and boom, it opens up a world of possibilities. Automatic lets you keep track of things like your fuel mileage, your vehicle help. You can even tag your trip so you can easily keep track of business expenses with just a tap on your phone or even your Apple Watch. And if you're driving down the road and you see that pesky little check engine light turn on and you wonder, what does this really mean? Is it something serious? Is it something I can go a few more miles on? Automatic will tell you before you go to the shop so you don't have to worry about whether you're getting ripped off. Automatic can also integrate with your connected home devices. For example, I've got mine set to connect with my Nest thermostat. So it knows when I'm home, it knows when I leave. So you can set your Nest up to fire on shortly before you get home. So you know that your house is all toasty and warm before you get home. And have you ever worried about losing your car in a parking lot? Well, Automatic can help you take care of those things too. 
one of my favorite things about automatic is it can be a little bit of a coach to help you improve your driving skills. So for example, I must admit I have a little bit of a lead foot. Well, automatic will let you know when you're accelerating too quickly or braking too quickly, because those kinds of things can affect your gas mileage. And I've noticed that since I've installed my automatic, I've become more aware of those things. And it's a little gentle reminder that helps you improve your driving habit. Automatic works with nearly every car made after 1996. It takes just minutes to install and it connects to your iPhone or Android device over Bluetooth. You'll get real-time performance data, intelligent coaching to help you maximize your fuel economy, the ability to access all of these connected services, including if this, then that, the ability to check your engine light and diagnose problems, and it even supports the Apple Watch and the Pebble. Best all, there are no monthly fees or subscriptions required. You buy the automatic once and you're done. You can even take it with you when you go to a new car. So normally automatic is $99.95, but if you use our special offer code MACPOWER or the link in the show notes, you'll save 20%. So head on over to automatic.com slash MacPower for more information and use our special offer code MacPower to save 20% off the normal purchase price. I've been very happy with mine. I think you'll like it too. Thank you to Automatic for your kind support of MacPower users. So David, I did not intend this whole show to be about the September 7th event, but it's kind of looking that way. And it didn't surprise me. It was it was a lot of news there. And um it didn't surprise me when you wanted to spend the first 15 minutes talking about Pokemon and Nintendo. Oh, I guess we haven't talked about Pokemon. Oh, yet. do you we want to talk need, about we Pokemon? Don't, no, 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 no. Because they didn't answer a question for me about Pokemon either. It's like, if you've played Pokemon, it's great, but you have to have the app open to, to track, to hatch your eggs. Well, you just, you, you figure that out and you let us all know. I will. It's crazy. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? This, uh, everything's available for, well, the, the iPhone at least is available for pre-order on Friday, Friday the 9th at, uh, 1201 AM Pacific. So that's 301 AM my time. Uh, I expect that this will be pretty popular. I expect especially certain versions like that jet black iPhone is going to be pretty popular and, and may sell out pretty quickly. Um, the Apple Watch is going to be available, um, I believe, at the same time. Uh, double double check that date. Uh, yep, it's pre-orders on September 9th and also available on September 16th. Um, we, we know that iOS 9 will be out next week as well. Um, and we know that Sierra is coming a little bit later in the month. So what are you doing? On the phone. I mean, no surprise, I'm going to get a new phone. I get one every year. And um, I'm going to, I, one of the things I did last year is I got, and I would recommend if you decide to get one, Katie, is getting this this thing through Apple where you buy the phone. Um, it's a, they they break the price up over 24 payments and they give you Apple Care Plus as well. So if you do drop it in the ocean or whatever, helpful you get a new one. Um, and when you do that plan, and I know you're, you're more frugal than I am, so this may not make sense to you, but every year if you want, you could turn in the old one and then you get the new one and you just keep making the payments. So you're basically buying a new iPhone forever. The um, I don't do it that way. You know, I bought it last year on the plan. The reason I bought it on the plan was it's the same price. There's no interest. So might as well just stretch it out over two years. And so at the end of this year, my phone will go to one of my daughters. And that that point is in nego heavy negotiation right now. You know, that <laughs> they, 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 they cornered me like, Dad, which one of us gets your phone? And I'm like, you guys figure it out between you. I am not getting in the middle of this. I'm, let, I'm letting the animals figure this one out. <laughs> They're going to fight. So does that mean like you're going to have one daughter at the end yeah, of this I'm process? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. 
<laughs> but the problem may be solved because the camera thing that, you know, they always do such a good job selling the camera. Daisy was watching it. And she's like, you know what? I know I wasn't going to upgrade, but I may upgrade too. Cause I want to get that double camera and I, you know, for the stuff she does, I can understand why. So we may end up having two phones to hand down, but the, um, but either way, I'm going to get a new phone. I don't know yet whether it's going to be the black or the jet black. I really want to get some more feedback from people. You know, we've got friends that are there using them today. So we can talk to some friends and we'll report back on the show. Yeah. Apple's got actually a little note and a footnote on their website that says just a little kind of if Apple's cautioning you, I would say take this take this caution that the uh, the jet black might show some minor abrasions due to the way that it's been um, uh, coated. So you may, if that concerns you, you may want to use a case. Yeah, see that I knew that. I mean, just with that shiny surface, I don't know how you avoid it, and 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 also fingerprints. And I bet by the end of the day today, there'll be a bunch of people in the hands-on area that can get you video to see how how bad that is. Uh, that being said, I'm not against having a few scratches on my phone. I, like I said, it's it's my device. I use it every day, so we'll see. But I'm getting, I'm definitely getting the um, the new one. I'll probably get the 128 in black or jet black. Uh, seven plus. I, I think my wife's going to go to the plus size too, just for the camera. So, so we're going to be getting a couple of them. Uh, on the on the watch, I'm going to upgrade that too. Like I said, I, I don't. I think I'm going to do because I did the um, the space gray aluminum. I think this time I may do the silver aluminum just for just for a change. I don't know. So you're getting both a watch and a phone. It's going to be an expensive Friday for you. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, well, and maybe doubly so if Daisy decides she wants one of each too. Yeah. I kind of plan for this though. You'll have very happy kids if that happens. Every year I have very happy kids. Because then they'll, they'll both get watches and they'll both get phones. Well, one of them just got a MacBook too. That's right. I saw you tweet that the MacBook is gone. It's not yours anymore. Well, she she's had this 11 inch MacBook Air forever. And the thing is just barely hanging on and she's in school again. She's like, dad, I really need a new computer. And I, I bit the bullet. I'm like, you know, I just don't use the thing much because the iPad Pro is so great. And I I wiped the hard drive and gave it to her. So now I don't have a laptop anymore. I have a no top. Well, that didn't sound right. All right. Um, so I have not yet decided what I'm going to do. I need to do some additional investigation. And I, I was kind of telling you earlier what what my concerns were. Um, you know, one just being that this is not a huge upgrade for me for the iPhone. Um, sure. camera is not that important because the camera is not that important to me. Yeah. Um, the, the other big complicating factor of this for me is my carrier plan. Um, the particular plan that I'm on Verizon, I am just finishing up a two year contract. And so I am upgrade eligible this cycle, but I'm on a family plan with other people. And so the, the current plan that I'm on, you know, I pay, I think it's like 40, 45 bucks a month for, for my line on that particular plan. But because we're on an older plan, um, that fee does not go away. So even if I upgrade through Apple, which is what I think makes the most sense to get on their, um, you know, $32 a month or $36 a month, whatever it is, you know, rotating plan for the phone, um, I believe, and this is what I need to confirm with Verizon, last I checked, they won't give me any discount for for that. Um, even though I'm technically bringing my own phone at that point, Verizon's still going to charge me full freight um, for 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 my line on on that plan because of the particular plan that we're on. And I, I can't seem to get uh, the other folks on my family plan to want to upgrade to the current plan that would would discount my line because it makes their lines more expensive. So there's a lot of things 
we have to negotiate there. I really don't want to sign another two-year contract with Verizon, which would give me the cheaper monthly phone price for a couple of reasons. One, I feel like those plans are kind of going the way of the dinosaur. And and two, I still feel like next year is the year we're kind of due for a, a bigger upgrade. I, I could be wrong, but I don't want to be off cycle. And well, I mean, there are significant rumors around that, that, I mean, people in the and the no are saying, you know, there's all these rumors about next year, it's going to be a dramatically new design, that the phone's truly going to be edge to edge, which means the the actual, even though the screen may stay the same size, the phone physically is going to get smaller. It's just going to wrap itself around the screen in essence. And there's a lot of, you know, new technologies we've been hearing about embedded, you know, touch buttons and things like that. So, I mean, we've got a whole year of rumors ahead of us, but if you're really looking for the new sexy and you know, you're only going to have to choose between this year and next year. You'll probably should wait a year. Right. So then, you know, that that begs the problem of do I do I stick with the six for one more year um, and kind of suck it out for another year? Or do I kind of try to do an intermittent upgrade myself and you know sell this for a six S? You know, I don't know how much how much sense that makes. So I think that the first thing that's in order is is a call to my carrier and and see what happens after September um, when I'm off contract is if I go buy a new phone from Apple, you know, can I get that on the the bring my own phone price? Because if the answer to that is yes, and it's not going to be significantly more expensive for me to do that, then I'm going to do that. I'm I'm going to do that. And I'm going to get on the Apple plan and and upgrade my phone every year. But I just I don't think I, basically if if I have to continue paying Verizon's price because of the contract I'm on, and if I have to pay Apple you know, the, the 35, 40 bucks a year for the phone, I'm basically paying double for it for a year. And that just, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So the, um, the other question I have, and it looks like that's still true on the website is it looks like you can only do the Apple upgrade plan in an Apple store still. I'm sure. I mean, that's the whole idea they want because they want the old phone back. Well, but for me, they're not getting my phone back. This is this is my phone. I paid for it. I'm sorry. I know. But you're getting started like when you did the update. And and I didn't really explain for us. We will not upgrade using the Apple plan. What we'll do is we'll get two new contracts because the ones we have are from last year. I don't want to turn those in because then my kids would uh, disown me. You know, they want they want those phones. So we'll pay them off this year. And then at the end of next year, I'll sell those to Gazelle or you know, whatever and um, and get some money back for them. So I'm not turning them in. If I was a single guy, I would probably just do the trade-in plan and give them the old one every year and, and get the new one. Uh, but with uh, with kids, that doesn't happen that way. Yeah. And, and that whole having to go to an Apple store to swap it, that complicates things for me, too, because my nearest Apple store is an hour and a half away. Yeah. That's true. I'm I'm not going to uh, – that that kills a day for me to have to go to an Apple store and swap this out. Well, you just do it the day you buy your new MacBook. And when exactly is that going to be? I, I, I feel like there was a little dig in there somewhere. <laughs> there wasn't. There wasn't. Let's just, I know we've gone along, but let's just take another couple of minutes. We had some great questions uh, from some of the listeners. And one of them was, well, what about the fact that they didn't address at all the iPad or the MacBook today? Colleen wrote that. Um, I, I just don't think it was on the agenda for today. I, I think that something went wrong. I mean, there's all these great rumors out there about the new MacBook that's got this um, OLED display and the function key row. And I think that stuff is for real. I think that's coming. But whether it's Intel was slow in getting them the chips they needed or some manufacturing hang up, I just don't think they're quite ready yet. And I know they, they desperately want them out before, you know, the holidays get here. 
So my guess is we're going to hear about new MacBooks probably in the next month or so. Um, and if you believe the rumor mill at all, the iPads, we're not going to hear anything about iPads until next year. And, and you know, the other big rumor is that iOS 10.1 is going to address productivity with the iPad more, and then they'll probably have new iPad hardware, and that'll be sometime after the new year. Yeah, I think the iPad's going back to a spring release cycle. Yeah, and I'm okay with that, frankly, because they don't really have enough time to give the iPad productivity stuff the treatment it needs if they're trying to get the update for the phone every year. And the phone is the thing that keeps the company rolling. So that's always going to get priority. So if they spend the first chunk of the year getting the phone just right, then they can devote some resources to making the iPad productivity a little better. That would be great. Um, another question we had was AirPods, are they Bluetooth or a new protocol? And that is a good question, James. I am not clear at this point. Um, they didn't really say, so my guess is it's probably Bluetooth. If it was a new protocol, that would be something Apple would probably tout, but, um, this is early days. We'll learn a lot more soon. Uh, some of the other questions we had, uh, Tim Stringer, our pal, Tim wrote in, are we getting an upgrade to the Apple watch? Of course I am. Yes. <laughs> Um, from a presentation standpoint, Andreas, listener Andreas wrote and said, why is Tim so subdued? He said the only person alive seemed to be Phil Schiller. I have to go back and watch it again. I thought Tim was okay. He sang. He's, he's Tim. You know, Tim is Tim. <laughs> Andreas said he's perfectly scripted, but dead. I didn't, I didn't see it that way, but uh, maybe I missed something. Um, uh, Mr. Espresso writes, I wonder how many Pokemon Go gamers will become new customers of the Apple Watch just because it has a Pokemon Go app. I would not be surprised if that is a driver for people to buy the Apple Watch because it is pretty convenient if you're a Pokemon Goer. That's the other thing we're going to get Katie doing in addition to playing uh, Mario. We're going to get you Pokemon Go. Yeah, I feel like such the curmudgeon this episode. <laughs> it's okay. You, you have a role to fill, Katie. You're <laughs> doing it, it. well. <laughs> Uh, it sounds like everybody in Twitter, though, is pretty excited about the new products. I'm glad Apple keeps moving the ball forward. I, I don't get really hung up that they don't have a new design of the case every year. And we didn't mention it, but the antennas are a little more subdued now, which is good. But it never really bothered me before. Uh, one of the listeners wrote in to ask, do we have to get a new case? Martin wrote in to ask that question. And the answer for me is definitely yes, because if you look at those dual lenses in the back, the existing case openings are not going to um, not going to hold them. Yeah, and Apple has said they've released a new line of accessories and cases, so we'll we'll see what that means. I usually just get the phone and use it naked for a while and until the case situation settles and I decide what I want to do. Yeah, the 6S is, was less slippery than the iPhone 6. I typically have used my iPhone caseless, but after using the iPhone for about two days, the iPhone 6 for about two days without a case, I quickly went out and bought the Apple leather case. Um, because I knew that that was not possible to use this iPhone without a case. Well, I I would like to use the iPhone without a case again. Well, that, that jet black one looks super slippery, you know, and it's that glossy finish. So I, I, I can't imagine that it's going to be uh, uh, something that, that is very grippy. I mean, it's just, it just looks, it looks like a bar of soap. So we'll see, you know. Um, anyway, uh, so Katie, uh, we'll have to report back in as time goes by and see what we think about these new devices. I, I'm sure I'll have one at least to talk about. I, I think Katie's it. it. Ultimately, if she can figure a way to, to make it go, you're going to get a new phone. Yeah. If I, if I can get it to work with my carrier so that I'm not essentially double paying, um, then yes, I think I'm, I'm going to do that and then get on Apple's, uh, new regular upgrade program. 
Uh, question that I had is, David, what are we going to call these episodes? We talked about it a, a little earlier. You know, when we record Mac Power Users live, but it's not really live, we need a better name. I've thrown it out to our Twitterverse and have gotten some interesting answers. Uh, I'll, I'll share a couple of them with you. Uh, MPU Unplugged was was one that was offered. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, MPU Plus was one that was offered. Um, so MPU Direct. A uh, lot, lot of people, MPU Mailbag. I, I kind of like MPU Unplugged. We'll, we'll noodle that one around. MPU Extra, MPU Interactive. A um, couple votes for MPU Unplugged. I think that one's kind of my favorite right now. We'll see. Yeah, I, I like that too. We'll have, to, we'll have to figure it out. I really like these shows because I feel like giving the feedback the time they deserve is important. The listeners to our show. Even though we gave it no time. This well, show. this was a unique show. You know, maybe give us once a year to do a news, news-based news show. And, you know, we're not going to give it to you every week. But Apple just made all these announcements. We want to weigh in and talk about it. Um, but generally what these shows are is a way to spotlight some really great ideas that our listeners had. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to talk about it, but I, I like that idea. And we still do them live. We're not giving up on that. We're in fact, with Katie's big changes in her life, we may be able to reset the time to something that works better for everybody. So we do have your listener feedback. In fact, I prepped a whole outline with listener feedback and then we spent the whole show talking about the live event because we were excited about it. Um, but please continue to send in your feedback. And uh, we will we will get back to that next month, I promise. You can send that to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Or the show is on Twitter. We're at MacPowerUsers. David is at MacSparky. Or I'm at Katie Floyd. We uh, will see you next time. Thanks to our sponsors, Gazelle, Sanebox, Casper, and Automatic. And uh, everybody, start breaking your piggy banks. Apple's done it to us again. There you go. We'll talk again soon. Bye.